You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creators Making Money. This is episode 32, how to start and finish your book and also make sure it's a bestseller. I have an incredible guest on with me today that I'm so grateful to share her brilliance with you, Morgan Gist McDonald. Morgan is the founder and CEO of Paper Raven Books, where she helps authors write, publish, and market their books for tremendous success across fiction and nonfiction markets. Morgan began her career in academia as a sociologist, but soon found the entrepreneurial pull to take her skills as a researcher, writer, teacher and leader into building a publishing company from the ground up. So she's kind of a badass. With more than 10 years of experience in writing, editing, and publishing books, Morgan leads the Paper Raven Books team in developing the best practices for publishing successfully in the modern digital age. Morgan, hi. Thank you so much for being with me today. Wow. Thank you, Jamie. I am super excited to be here. This is going to be a fun conversation. Super, super fun. So the first question that I have for you is, how exactly did you decide that helping others publish their books was going to be your thing? Well, I didn't know that that's what I was going to end up doing. <laughs> like so many of us who feel kind of like that entrepreneurial pull, I didn't know where it was going. Um, but I was in a PhD program for sociology. I thought I was going to be a professor of sociology. And just when I was in the program, I was a couple years in and realized, oh my gosh, I actually am not doing any of my own research. All I'm doing is helping like my colleagues and the junior professors with all of their projects, you know, their papers and theses and journal articles and, you know, book manuscripts and all that stuff. And I was like, I, I don't think I want to do my own dissertation right now. <laughs> so I had one of those like existential crisis moments. Where I was like, okay, I'm leaving this program and I'm going to go off and do freelance editing and freelance writing coaching. And I did that from 2007 to about 2013. And then only then did I say, okay, I'm going to start a website, start a blog, get on social media, get myself out there as a freelance editor and writing coach. I built a, you know, based on referrals, like a good client base, but I decided I was ready to kind of get out and, and do the social media thing in 2013. And yeah, just like I took on more and more clients and did more and more editing and then decided I was going to specialize in books and then got a bunch of book manuscripts and then brought in more editors to help me. And then we realized, oh my gosh, we're editing a lot of books and authors keep coming back to us. And the authors would say, thank you for 
helping me write this great book manuscript. It's in Word right now. It's a great Word document. <laughs> How do I get it into a book? And so then that's when we really started exploring publishing. That was in 2015. And so we've really been doing book publishing for about five years, but it was just kind of following the breadcrumbs. What's the next thing? Um, and, but I'm really happy to be here now. Were there any like unexpected road bumps along the way that were kind of, it was because I feel like that's like massive expansion. And so I want to just pull back and like take a minute to take a breath and acknowledge that when you're like, oh, I'm going to start by doing this freelance thing, but then actually people keep coming back for this and it's, you're following, you're responding to what the market is giving you, right? Like, oh, well, actually everyone in my PhD program just really wanted me to help them write. And so then that's what I was doing. And then I was like, oh, actually that's more fun and more what I enjoy. Were there any road bumps in terms of transitioning from just offering editing to kind of getting into the publishing piece? So many. <laughs> it's like, how do you pick, how do you pick the road bump to focus on? I mean, I feel like there's so many, but I do have a couple like of those moments that were just where everything kind of fell apart and came into focus at the same time, <laughs> you know, those, 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 uh, clarifying moments. Like, um, one that was really powerful for me was, um, I had been growing my freelance business and I was getting quite busy and we were actually having children along the way. So I am a mom of four kiddos. <laughs> And, um, yeah, we, wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a lot of change happening. I, I kind of joke that every time I had a baby, I like reinvented my business <laughs> because it was just one of those necessary things. But we moved from my husband's career. He's an attorney and he was following his own kind of path and we we're having children and I was growing my freelance thing. But, um, there was a moment in, uh, after we'd had our third baby and we were, went to this family vacation. We're meeting up with my husband's extended family and we had our three kiddos and my husband's career was quite busy and my freelancing was really kind of at a max point. And we were packing up to go to this beach house and meet all the family and hang out. And, um, a client of mine who's a really good client had been a client for years, always, you know, gave me the best projects. I always wanted to say yes to this person emailed me right before we were going to leave and said, Hey, I've got a rush project. And can I send it to you today? Can you get it to me next week? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I just thought, I can't believe I'm saying yes to this. But I'm saying yes to this because anyone who's worked as a freelancer, you know, the feast and famine, you know, you remember the months where you had no one coming in and you weren't sure where the next client was going to come in. And so when someone asks you, here's this awesome project that I need done right away, I'll pay extra. You say yes. <laughs> and so I did. And I took my laptop on the beach vacation and uh, we get to the house and I set up my little working nook and I basically, you know, I wanted to be a present wife and mom. I wanted to work and um, I would have preferred to sleep, but I just decided sleep just didn't need to happen. <laughs> so it was like not a super fun week. And when we came back from that, um, my husband and I actually had planned, this is one of our sort of marriage secrets, is we plan a, a couple's getaway after a family vacation so that we can like decompress from all the time with the children. <laughs> a vacation from your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and so we were just taking a quick weekend getaway and, and walking, you know, 
we, we were in Vegas, not that it matters, but, <laughs> you know, just sort of like walking around and talking. And I was just talking about how, like, I can see such a different model. Like there, it can't just be me doing all the freelancing. And we spun out this whole business model about how I was going to bring in editors and, and then I got home and I put out, you know, some, some feelers for people to work with me as editors and started growing, you know, the freelance team. And so that was, that was a major turning point. It was quite scary um, to, to bring, to be the person who was now bringing in the projects and other team members were helping me with the projects, but that was a huge turning point in our business. Yeah. It's, it's like terrifying and so amazing. And I love that. And it's, I think that there's any freelancers who are listening to this can 100% identify with like, but then they ask you and it's a rush job and they'll pay you extra and you just can't say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there at one point or another in our journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. That scarcity, like feast and famine thing, it sometimes pushes you into decisions that don't always feel like the best. Exactly. But it's like, it also forces you to make decisions. You know, you can't, you can't keep going in the same way that you were. And so if it's going to be different, how is it going to be different? And that's where it gets really fun. Cause you are in the driver's seat. You get to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I you love want that. to, if, if you, you want, want to. to, if you want to, that's like, yeah, it's such a great leadership lesson. I love that. Um, so I want to, I want to circle to some of these like super valuable tips for everyone who's listening and is like, just tell me how to write my book and make it the best ever. (laughs) Um, What would you say are the biggest mistakes that new authors make when they try to write their first book? And PS guys, like I am not a published author yet. So I am, I am selfishly soaking up all of this brilliance and uh, uh, you know, teaser. We are also doing a more in-depth training on this. Morgan has agreed to come and actually teach more strategies and process. And trust me when I tell you, I'm going to selfishly be soaking up all of it. Um, Just, you know, FYI. But so I might just be asking all these questions for myself. Haha. What would you say are the biggest mistakes new authors make when they try to write their first book? What can I I not do that everyone else should not do? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question, right? So um, one thing that I run into a lot with authors is um, not, not being super clear on who the reader is. Um, and I know it's very tempting to say that my book is for everyone. You know, it's, it's a story of struggle and triumph and everyone is going to resonate. And that might be true. (laughs) Like, I don't want to say that it's not true. It could be one of those runaway bestseller books. Um, And yet, when we start a fire, we start with a spark. And so I really want us to focus in on the spark, the smaller audiences of of readers that will most deeply resonate with your message. And this is actually something that you get to pick. So even though your story could apply to everyone or speak to everyone or resonate with everyone, if there was one type of person who you like felt most called to speak to, you know, who is that person? And so I talk a lot with authors about, you know, who is that person and really making that conscious and even empowered choice to say, this is the person I want to speak to. Because when you can speak more directly to one type of reader, 
they will pick up the message so much more quickly. They will help you spread it to other folks and other readers. But we start with the narrower focus, the magnifying glass, you know, that starts the spark, that starts the bonfire. So um, focusing in on a particular reader is key to, to really getting a, a book topic that, that is powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask you a little bit about your book? Oh my book? God, please. <laughs> have, I'm, I'm an open book and I'm, I have, I'm a very vulnerable uh, leader and host, so I'm happy to share everything. Okay. So tell me a little bit about who you feel like you might be writing this book for, kind of what is it about? And yeah. because this will get us into the second thing I want to talk about also, which is the scope. So like the reader and the scope of the book. So yeah, sure. tell me a little, give us, give us some things to, to, to workshop on. Ooh. <laughs> So I actually, so the funny thing is that I actually have, I actually have three different book concepts, like three different books. Okay. And I had started one, I think, I don't know how many words I have right now. Quite honestly, it might be 20,000 of one and 30,000 of another. I'm not even sure. It might be 20,000 of each right now. Um, and the book that I had started in 2018 was really about the creative process. And so it is for creative people who want to step into leadership in owning um, what they're here to do as creatives and artists on this planet. And, um, you know, and, and the, I would say that the audience for creatives making money is, is probably who it's for in terms of, I would say it's more of an internal and external process of what is the inner work and what is the outer work necessary to really step into leadership and be your own, your own best advocate, your own business manager, your own leader, your own boss, and, and actually do the work and have success. So that's one book. Okay. I guess we can just talk about that. Well, one. okay. Uh, no, this is good because often people have more than one book. And so a big part of finishing the book is is feeling like full force motivation. I want this one done, right? So, so tell me about the other book or books that are also in sure. the, in the so spin. The second book really is like, I obviously have a program on storytelling and mm -hmm. consider myself an expert on that subject because that's been a lot of what my professional focus has been beyond business. And so I could write a book about story. Mm -hmm. And, and to be honest with you, it could be for writers and it could also be for entrepreneurs and brands. And I think because I don't know who I want it to be for is probably a big reason why I haven't been able to, I honestly think once I got that clear, I could, I probably have enough existing content to get that book published fast. Yep. So that's the second book. And then the third book is about, and quite honestly, this might be combined with the storybook. I'm not entirely sure. Welcome to my messy creative process. Um, <laughs> The third book is really about grief because I just have been through a lot of loss in my life and I have a lot to say about the power of grief and how if we step into it more boldly that it allows us to be more confident and brave and overcome the fear of failure more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that it is a step in storytelling that we most often try to skip over because it's uncomfortable and it's dark and it's all of that. So it's part of, it's part of my process when I coach and work with uh, writers, creatives, and entrepreneurs, you know, we kind of go into that work. And, um, I think that people who come to me to, to work on their story and share their story often find that that is a step in the process. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I haven't, I'm not a hundred percent clear that, that the book that I write on story isn't really about also, you know, my process with coaching people using story as a model for coaching. 
Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel that too. So when you think about, so there are kind of three things I'm looking about for a book. One is the reader, you know, are we clear on who the reader is, what their challenges are, what the reader's goals are that they're going to get through the book. Um, a second is scope, you know, like what, what's included in the book, what makes sense to keep in the book and what makes sense to sort of pull out of the book, um, you know, the, the content. And then third, does it align with, you know, your trajectory? where you're going, right? So those are kind of the three things that I'm usually looking at and thinking about. So applying that to Jamie Jensen, <laughs> um, when you think about how you're working with people in five years, kind of put yourself kind of future, future pace a little bit. Like if you have all the stars align and you were able to work with anyone in any sort of process, you can be a one-on-one -on -one coach, you can speak, you can run these massive workshops or retreats, or like you can work with people in any way you want. How do you most deeply want to be working with people? So I feel that it, it really is that first book in terms of the process, but I would say that it is the writer who also identifies as an entrepreneur. And so kind of kind of needs all three of those books but maybe mm -hmm. at different points in the process if that makes sense so you're coaching people through kind of the business side through through sharing their story and all of the challenges that come with that as a leader as, as a, a storyteller leader and as a creative and as as when i say leader i also mean like um how do they want to build that into their monetization strategy? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think that looks different for everyone too. Like there's customized ways that can look. That's what I would say. Okay. And so thanks when we're talking- fun, about Thanks for the fun workshop, by the way. I have so many more questions for you, so we don't have to spend okay. too much time on this. Okay. But, I, okay. but I do want everyone to get the full like juicy lesson and value from this. Okay. I'll, 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 I, I have a thought for you. Okay. So- Ooh. So it sounds like when we're talking about storytelling, it is, it is different types of story, right? It's the story you tell yourself as you're emerging as a leader, as a business owner. It's the stories you tell to clients and the public. Um, it's maybe the stories you write. It doesn't sound like it has to be writing, but in any of these sort of storytelling facets, it is, it is the pain, it is the grief, it is the dark where um, perhaps there's more power than people realize. Mm -hmm. Uh, are we kind of, does that hit all three? There's a theme in there, Jamie. There's yes, there is. Sometimes when we have multiple projects and we don't quite have the, um, that, you know, the fire that can't be put out to finish one of them, to drive it all the way across the finish line. Sometimes it's because we're trying to separate them too much. We almost dilute their individual, mm -hmm. that we dilute the whole power by separating them into separate projects. So you might sort of play with, okay, just putting all the pieces of paper out on the, on the ground, on the carpet, on the, on the floor. So we're saying, okay, here's all the things I want to share in these books. What's the through line? Who, who really needs to hear maybe all of this, you know, yeah. and, and just see, just experiment with what mm -hmm. if it's, what if it is actually one project, one, one project. Yeah. So just a thought. You I think you're any... right. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. You don't have to, you don't have to commit to anything. 
publicly. <laughs> no, I will. I, what I'll commit to publicly is I'm definitely going to come on your masterclass and I'm going to learn okay. more and I'm going to ask you more questions. But what I'm committing to based on the outcome of this conversation is really to step into, oh, this is all one project. Maybe. You know, and the first book really combines a lot of these themes. And I think that what I'm committing to is sitting with the existing content that I have and like actually giving myself the space to look at it as if this was one project for that one perfect person, what would that look like? Yes, that's super powerful. Okay. Thank you for letting me play with your. (laughs) Thank you for the free coaching session, Morgan. (laughs) So just here are the three things I'm always looking for again. So just to kind of, and we'll use you as a bit of an example, but it's hypothetical, right? Because we haven't like delved into your Mm -hmm. content you've already written or any of that. So, um, you know, reader, uh, identifying who your reader is and really thinking about that person who, if you were sitting down across the coffee table from them and you were listening to their story and they're listening to your story, like that person that you feel like you could most deeply impact, like that is your reader. Even if other people might benefit from your book, that's the person that you're imagining when you sit down to write the book, as you know, Jamie, with all the storytelling techniques and all of that. So, um, but you know, for just to really anchor that, that person or that character in for you on who you're talking to. And then scope is tricky because sometimes we expand scope, like we were just hypothetically talking about sort of expanding the scope of the book. Sometimes we narrow it. People tend to think that when it's a narrower scope, um, when you're covering less content in the book, it'll be easier to write. It's not always true because what makes a, a book easy or fast or whatever to write is actually your own internal motivation, your fire to get it done. And if we can tap into that internal motivation, the how big or sh- you know how, how long or short the book ends up being is almost irrelevant because I have seen people who can put out 60,000 words in 30 days, <laughs> you know, and, and get it done. Um, and then I've seen people sort of like struggle to get 10,000 words out over 12 months. So it's just, it's all about tapping into that internal motivation. And so you want to think about for your reader, what does your reader need to hear from you in order to make the transformation, you know, to go from uh, perhaps, and maybe in this case, you know, kind of nervous, scared, not wanting to grow, but I need to know how to grow as a, as a creative and make money and grow this business, but I'm nervous about all of it. And I don't want to tell my story and I don't, and I have all this pain that I haven't processed yet. And, you know, to go from that to bold, confident, sharing the story, being vulnerable, being authentic, you know, growing and scaling and, and, and being out there. Right. So what does she need to hear from you? That becomes our scope. Right. And that's when we start, we have the transformation is kind of like our anchor points. And, and we build out the content in the middle to get her from one side to the other. And then, um, yeah, trajectory, like where does this, does this get you, does this put you on a trajectory to where you want to be in the future? And that's um, kind of the final thing that I'd like to kind of land on for us is that one of the big mistakes I see is, uh, people write a book out of obligation. You know, they went through something in their lives that they feel like they have to share. They worked in a career for 20 years that they feel like, you know, I learned stuff that I, other people should know. Um, You know, I owe it to someone in my life or in my past. Like I have to write this book for them. And that sense of obligation is just a big weight on your shoulders. And you don't have to write a book out of obligation. You can simply, you know, the, you know, I forgive you. I love you. Thank you. 
and let it go, right? You don't have to do that. You can look to your future and you can write a book for your future self and you'll find that so much more exciting really and more motivating. So those kind of the things that I often end up talking about with authors when we are structuring and creating that vision for their book. I love that. That's like a huge, I think that a lot of people just exhaled, you know, listening to this. They're like, I don't have to write out of obligation or should, or like the thing to do for my, this is the strategic thing that must happen, Mm -hmm. or this is the value I have to deliver that like, I owe it to the world or I owe it to someone that is so hot. Thank you for sharing that. You are welcome. And then what we're going to get into on the workshop is all the practical stuff too. So people have lots of questions around like, well, how do I, you know, sit down and do the writing? What should a writing routine look like? What does, you know, the, the structure, what, how can I put together kind of a structure for the book? So that's all the kind of stuff that we're going to be going through in our workshop as well. Awesome. I'm so excited about that. And for anyone who's so excited before I ask more questions and wants to go sign up and register now, it's going to be at creativesmakingmoney.com slash book masterclass. So you can go ahead to that URL and get registered before you forget. But I still have more questions, which are. Ready. Um, yay. So I know we talked about like, obviously being clear on who, who this is for. Is there anything else that you think authors need to know about marketing before they get started? Like even with their writing process that they should be thinking about or aware of in terms of the plan or selling it? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a super important to focus on because book marketing has changed a lot. And that's actually a big part of why I recommend such a specific reader because of how marketing has changed. So um, previously when we were you know, publishing with big traditional publishers and all, most books were sold in bookstores, it was writing, it was writing for a general trade audience. Those were the books that were getting picked up by publishers and distributed to bookstores because it was all nationwide right? It was like, we want to write a book. We want to distribute it all the way from, you know, Maine to California and everywhere in between. We want it to appeal to everybody. Um, And there was a, there was a heyday, probably about 15 years where that was how a lot of authors were selling their books. But I mean, when we are recording this, we're, we're currently in a period where everyone's kind of sheltering at home and closed down. The bookstores are closed and people are not buying through bookstores anymore. And what we're seeing is sort of a speed up of what was already happening. People are not buying in bookstores right now. They're not going to bookstore to browse and just see what's on the shelf, on the end cap, on the display table. Um, they, when they're buying books and they are still buying books, it's a much more intentional and search kind of practice. They're going to Amazon, they're typing in search terms, they're going to Google, they're typing in search terms. And so they are an individual that is looking for a specific type of book. For nonfiction, that's often a solution to a problem. How do I make money as a creative? <laughs> you know, um, How do I start a creative business? Those sorts of questions. Um, or on the fiction side, they're like, suspense thriller with female protagonist (laughs) you know they're like they're searching in exactly what they're looking for um pretty soon like if we wanted to get futuristic on this it's going to be voice search you know and how we voice search is actually different than how we type search so all of these things are super important um and then the other kind of through line through book marketing is word of mouth 
and we pass word of mouth from people who are like ourselves. So I am this type of reader. And when I recommend a book, it's to another person who's like me. And so what we're finding is that readers are, they're much more like niche pockets of readers. And so for a book to sort of catch fire, now it's not about getting on the display table at Barnes and Noble. Now it's about finding that niche pocket of reader who's really going to resonate with your message. That is partly by, I, you know, titling and subtitling your book to be super specific for that reader and also reaching directly into those communities, joining Facebook groups, being on podcasts. Um, it, I mean, heck, like such if you're fiction, like getting into book clubs and things like that where your readers are really hanging out. And so the earlier you can start to figure out who your people are and getting plugged into those communities so that when you're ready to launch your book, you've got people who will read an advanced copy, leave reviews, recommend to friends, that sort of thing, um, then it's going to make book marketing a heck of a lot easier. That was brilliant. I have so many questions. We won't have time for all of them. It will have to happen later or on the masterclass or another time. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I sound like such, a, I'm like the worst host ever. When I, for anyone, here's the question. For anyone who's listening, who's a fiction author, because I feel like what we're workshopping for me is, is not, is a nonfiction. Yeah. It's definitely more of a, like a trade book style, nonfiction style thing, even though I write screenplays that are fiction. Um, the book concept for me is a nonfiction. So for anyone who's listening, who's a fiction writer, because you did mention, especially for fiction writers, getting into book clubs, getting into, how would you say that that, like, what do they need specifically need to know or think about in terms of like who their niche readers are? Yep. So I will say that for fiction writers, I strongly encourage you to consider writing a trilogy. Even if, so this is a weird, like kind of paradigm shifting thing that's happening in the fiction market, like right now, is that rather than writing a novel that is 90,000 to 120,000 words, we're splitting that novel up into three. And I mean, it's, it's just shortening the plot. So we're making sure that, you know, it's still a full story in book one. It's still a full story in book two. It's still a full story in book three, but there's an overriding structure as well so that the whole trilogy kind of comes to a completion. And the reason is because of Amazon, <laughs> basically. So we can put the first book of the trilogy up on Amazon for 99 cents or free. There's like, you know, tricky ways to get your book on for free permanently on Amazon, but that's a whole nother sort of like geeky episode. Um, get that first one up for as cheap as possible and to gather just like, it's like a magnet for your type of reader. And then you're capturing email addresses, you're capturing data from people to lead them into book two and then into book three. So you're getting a cumulative, you know, sort of effect of, of people um, becoming your fan base and your readers. And so you're taking that first book and you're really trying to get it into any, you know, book club or um, there are Facebook groups where people read certain types of books. You want to find the people who are looking for exactly your type of book. And you want to be thinking about like sub niche stuff. So like a, a cozy mystery, which has its own like definition. I can't remember exactly what a cozy mystery is, but it has its own specific thing. I love that that's a thing. <laughs> or like a sweet romance or a psychological thriller or a like they're they're now like, instead of just one genre, 
it's like they've combined two or three words to make like a niche genre. So you need to like find, go deep into your niche and find where those like hardcore readers are. Cause they will, and if you can get them free copies in advance, they'll leave reviews, right? You want to get into their kind of, it's like a cult following of these like super niche, um, you know, fiction genres. And that's where you're going to find that spark of success. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You're just brilliant. You're just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I'm just a total nerd. I took all it's of so my funny. like oh. research background and I'm like, oh, fuck sociology. Let's apply this to books. <laughs> you know, I am, I don't know if you're familiar with the Colby test, but I'm a very low fact finder. I'm like a four nice. fact finder on the Colby for anyone who is curious about the Colby. It basically measures like how you are motivated to take action and across four different areas. And I, I just... I just crush so hard on high fact finders who love research and like have all this information because I'm so not that way. And I, what's your I, highest one? Quick start. Me too, actually. Fact, fact finder is my next, but uh, yeah, quick start is definitely my highest. Mm-hmm. So quick I didn't start and then, and then systems follow through. Ooh, that's a good one to have. I'm jealous of follow through. Yeah. I can't but- create a system, but I can follow it. <laughs> Why? That's honestly why I had to build a team because I couldn't follow through. Like there was a time when I was managing like the book projects, like I was the project manager and it was like, it was crazy. Yeah. We, we missed deadlines right, left, right and center. <laughs> yeah. So, thank goodness. I'll start, I'll manage, but like, don't make me look things up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, you're just amazing. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to, to an author around like, here's how you can make the most money possible as a writer slash author, what would it be? Yep. So there's two paths. One is nonfiction, one's fiction. Um, and I feel like for nonfiction authors, we kind of accidentally fell into a trap where we thought that like book sales were the measure of success. Like if you sell a million copies, then you're like a great author. Um, that's how publishing companies make money. <laughs> that's not really how authors make money. So the nonfiction world, yes, books are important for getting our marketing out. Uh, people who read your books are going to be your best clients. Um, so I put out my book in 2015. I still have people who read my book, send me an email and become a client. Like, and and they are my, they're my favorite clients. I'm not going to lie. I, I have favorites and they're the people who read my book and love my book and they want to come work with, me, work with me. So that is where our success is going to be, is in writing a book that's for our perfect fit clients or audience or community. And when they read the book, they're going to come want to work deeper, deeper with us. So the success of the book is not in the number of books that it sells, but in the type of people that it brings to work with you as a coach, as a consultant who want to come to your speaking events, who want to come to your workshops, who want to join your membership community. That's where our success is. Fiction authors is totally different because you don't read, you know, the latest John Grisham novel and say, "Hey, I want to go spend a week with John." Gr-. Like you don't fucking care about John Grisham. But what if I do? No, I'm kidding. I mean, I guess. I just kidding. He probably has a fan base that would pay obscene amounts of money just to hang out with him and I don't know, drink whiskey or whatever he does. But I, um, I would probably, I'd put money on that actually. Probably would. <laughs> but the way that most fiction authors make money is just by selling more books. And it's not one book. It's like eight books, 10 books, 
12 books. And so what we are often coaching our fiction authors through is, um, I know the first book feels really big and heavy and hard and scary, but this is just the first book. Like, let's kick this baby out because we need to get on to book two and three and four and five and six and seven and eight. Like, this is a long-term play. So let's go ahead and get the first book out there. It's not going to be your best book ever. We're not aiming to be, you know, Harper Lee with To Kill a Mockingbird who wrote one book. <laughs> like, that's not really most fiction authors' goal. Really, it's to get the first book out there and then the second and the third and keep building your world, keep building out your characters book after book after book, and you're going to get more and more readers. And most fiction authors start to see um, meaningful book sales after book three, four, five, something like that. Fascinating. Hmm. I also want to just briefly mention that I recently had a conversation with my literary manager who just, it's really just feature film lit, lit right? That's like the worlds that I've been represented in and play in as a, as a writer, um, beyond business, of course, or online business. And we even talked about how like getting interest in Hollywood, it's like they want someone who's a best, even like a best-selling author in fiction is, is sexier than than just like writing great scripts, you know? And so if that is the dream too, it's just important to pay attention to what you can be doing to become a best-selling author as a fiction author also puts you in the best position to sort of make that leap as well, if that's something you dream about. Yep. And we gotta get the first book out. To right. start on Step one, right? Yeah. Book one. <laughs> the book, book one does not have to be like your end all be all great American novel. Like don't how put many that kind words, of pressure. How many words is book one? I mean, if book one is part of a trilogy, which I recommend, then it might be 40,000 ish. That's so casual. <laughs> yeah. A casual yeah, 40,000 words. Why not? Oh. You make a, you make a quick punchy story that gets people like, Oh, I liked that story. Like I want more, you know, you got, mm. you got to give them the quick win, even in the fiction world. Mm. And I will say, so I'm an, I'm a reader of Epic fantasy. Epic fantasy is so painful. Like you have like the Epic fantasy books, they're kind of a category of their own because one book can easily be 200,000 words. And you have to like give a book, you have to be willing to read a book like for like 50,000 words before you judge it in Epic fantasy because they take so long to get there. Most readers, they will read like three chapters and then they're like, I'm either loving this and I want to finish it this weekend or... I'll never pick it up again. So you got to, as a fiction author, you really got to like get them in, get them a quick win, get them like hooked on the storyline and then be able to give them a satisfying, you know, end to book one. And they're like, oh, I want to go into book two. Like that's the goal. Mm -hmm. I love that. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in helping so many people become successful published authors? You know, like at this point, what has changed? I'm curious, like what's changed from, you know, the, like when you started helping people with publishing and marketing versus like having helped so many people now, what sort of changed for you and what do you think your biggest lesson is? The, the biggest change in the industry and anyone who's in publishing and writing, I mean, you know, this too, is like the self-publishing has changed everything. And so what we're seeing now, I mean, when I started helping people writing, really it was, gosh, 12 going on 13 years ago. Um, everyone was focused on getting a traditional publishing deal and getting into Barnes and Noble. That was it. That was all they ever wanted. And now I'm seeing people who they come to me ready for something 
bigger. You know, they're like, I actually don't want to work with a traditional publisher anymore because I want to own my legal rights in my book because I want to take the content that in this book and I want to create a course and I want to create, you know, a keynote presentation and I want to use it in this and I want to use it in that. And I want to keep the, you know, all the profits, you know, I want to market it myself. There's more people who have a much more entrepreneurial attitude towards writing and they're seeing their book as their own product, which is so exciting. You know, like that's the kind of person I really uh, love empowering because now we can get our books directly into the hands of our readers. You know, before it was like, it's either sold at a bookstore or you have to like, you have to I don't know, show up at a church bazaar to like sell books to your readers or, or something like that. But now, I mean, I sell books every day through my own funnels, right? I sell books on, on Facebook and, and through email and things like that. And then we just ship them out. So it's now it's completely shifted into the author's yes, responsibility, but also the author's power as well. So it's like, it becomes your own product inside of your own business model. And it's just a really exciting time for authors. I have a quick question about book funnels since you talked about, since you mentioned that, yeah. which is when you like, when you're talking about, I'm selling books every day through funnels on my own, Facebook, et cetera. Um, is that a book that's hosted and sold through Amazon? Yes. Okay. And I print it myself. So we actually, Paper Raven Book sells two of our own internal books. We're not yet selling our author's books because we're just not, we don't have all of our systems and plans and stuff in place, but I'm working on that. Um, but we have a quiz that is on Facebook. And then at the end of that quiz, uh, we offer a $10 plus free shipping um, on either my book, which is for nonfiction writers, or our lead fiction coach is Jennifer Crosswhite. We sell her book. And then if you want to get super geeky, we have upsells <laughs> and things like that, that upsells into digital products. Um, but yes, we, we do sell physical books every day. Amazing. What is, what is one thing that you'd want an aspiring author to know? So anyone who's listening to this, mm -hmm. who's never started a book before, never, you know, they just know that they are an, they're, they're an author. They just haven't really stepped into that identity yet and owned it. What is one thing that you want them to know? The first draft is going to suck. It just does. Like for all of us, whether you think of yourself as a writer or not, like the first draft is like, it's just messy. It doesn't sound great. The words are all like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't come off the tongue easily. You know, like it's just, it feels hard a lot of times and we get stuck in our own mind, stuck in self-doubt, stuck in that vicious cycle. And there's nothing wrong with you. You're just a normal human. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of what I coach people through is that first draft phase of like, okay, Let's just set it up. If you can get those three things we talked about at the beginning, you know, who your reader is, let's outline kind of the scope of the book. Let's make sure it's aligned with your trajectory. So we've got your excitement and your fire really in it. And then I want you to face forward and you are going to just type <laughs> like, don't look back. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Just focus every single week put down 3,000 words on the page, 5,000 words on the page, and just every single week show up and do that writing until you hit, you know, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 words. And then we can go back and revise. But that first draft is, is messy and there's nothing wrong with you. You just got to get all your thoughts down onto paper 
and then we can go back and revise and edit. So I love that you said that. I love to talk, I love to talk about how writing requires, writing and editing are two different brains completely. Because like you were talking about the fire, you know, the fire to get it out and the fire to finish it, you know, writing is emotional. It's a very emotional process. And what I'm curious about to hear from you as someone who's written tens of thousands of words, hundreds of thousands of words, honestly, probably more, um, but never finished a book personally, is the recommendation that like you literally just dump 50,000 words, like just like you sort of have an idea, but you're just like vomiting it out and like, don't even look back until you have like hit a certain target word count. It depends a little bit. Um, I, and I will say a lot of the authors I work with who <laughs> they might've written 200,000 words already. Um, and they're like, should I go back and try to trim and revise this? Or should I start over? You know, we have that conversation for some people. It's let's go back in, let's trim and revise what you already have. For other people, it's like, let's just start over <laughs> because it'll probably be faster. You can write, you know, what you want to write and then you can pull in pieces if you decide you want to pull in pieces from the previous writing later. So that's kind of a, a you can go either way um, if you already have a lot of content. But um, uh, there was a more specific question. Yeah, I, my question was more, I typically tell people like write first, edit later, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah. but I think sometimes we might like write a chapter and then want to edit that chapter versus like just write the whole effing book and then edit later. And so that's sort of why I'm, cu I'm curious what your advice is on that. My preference is to go ahead and create this structure ahead of time. And it, it doesn't have to be a perfect structure, but let's go ahead and like feel clear and confident what the book is going to look like. And then, yeah, write the whole dang thing. <laughs> like if we can, if you can stand it, it takes a lot of like, um, just willingness to turn a blind eye toward what you're writing. <laughs> and I'm like, let's just write the whole thing and then we'll go back and clean it up. Um, not everyone can do that. Sometimes, you know, that self-doubt kind of circles back. And so then what I, what I recommend that we do is like, okay, we've got our big sort of book outline. Let's do like a mini outline of chapter one. Let's write chapter one, but don't go back and edit it. Then let's do a mini outline of the next chapter and write that one. And then a mini outline of the next chapter and write that one. So sometimes we need to do kind of chunk it up like that for, for folks who don't feel comfortable just with the, the pedal to the metal. But I will say, like you, Jamie, my preference is just to write the whole thing all at once. Just go hard. Like, bah. <laughs> get it done. It's going to suck. Just get it, it really, done. <laughs> it really, it, I think it does take a lot of self-discipline to like just keep moving forward and not looking back. I yep. think that that, when I think about it, I'm like, God, that just, that's the piece that feels, you know, the part of like anyone who has any level of control freak in them is just gonna, it's like, you're just gonna have to blow through that and keep writing. Yeah. I mean, the faster you get it done, you know, the, the less suffering you have. And honestly, you hit, you hit this weird flow where you like, you kind of remember where you pick, where you left off and you just pick it back up. And like your tones tends to be similar. Your story style tends to be similar. Like your, like it all feels like it gels a little bit more. Whereas if you take these really long breaks between chapters, then you have to kind of massage it all together in the end. So I like just, yeah, as, as quickly as possible. Um, is my preferred style. I love that. I have a couple more questions for you. One yep. is the question that I ask every guest um, or a version of this question every guest must answer. And that question is, if $5 million just dropped in your lap, like, hey, here's $5 million in an ethical, 
way that no one was harmed and like you don't have to worry about paying someone back or interest or any of it's just here it's it's yours what would you do with it Mm, I love this question so much. So I would, I would still put it into a business. <laughs> that's just, that's where my passion is, is in building businesses. And I really would want to innovate on the bookstore. I think there's a way that we can bring readers and people who like to review books and people who like to write books into the same kind of ecosystem somehow. And the brick and mortar bookstore is, is, not going to be the same in the future. And so what does the online version look like? I don't think Amazon is the answer. And so I want, I have this, so I'm currently obsessed with quizzes. I love building online quizzes. And so I can imagine this like virtual experience where you as the reader get to go in and like take these quizzes on like your favorite books and what you want, what you're interested in right now and all these things. And you would get this like virtual bookstore kind of like presented to you and you'd get to like VR kind of walk. This would take more than $5 million. <laughs> you get to like kind of walk through and like browse them and look at the back cover copy and get to see all the reviews for them and I don't know so like I would want to somehow like innovate on the the bookstore experience and yeah I love that it's like having your own personal book shopper yes yes it's like a personal shopping experience for the books that you're actually gonna like love and enjoy and um oh I love that that's so cool I kind of think you're gonna do that (laughs) I don't think that's happening. <laughs> it might be. It might be. So if someone gives me $5 million, if you're listening, oh, yeah. if you have access to $5 million, let me know. <laughs> we'll build this virtual custom bespoke bookstore. <laughs> uh, so good. So my final question before we wrap up, because I know, you know, listen, I could, I could ask you questions for hours and hours and hours, but I really appreciate you taking the time to, to sit with me today and answer all of these questions and really provide so much value and information. For my authors and aspiring authors and writers, um, you know, in in the audience. So thank you so much. Um, The final question I have is, do you have any advice you would give someone who is maybe feeling depressed, uninspired, you know, facing, you know, the global crisis facing or other crisis that because 2020 is, it's been a 2020, it's being a 2020. Mm -hmm. um, And that is the year we're recording this episode. So I'm curious for anyone who's facing challenge, grief, trauma, crisis, you know, and really deeply wants to write, but is feeling maybe like a little depressed or a little uninspired, what advice would you have for them? Yeah. I mean, first I want to just acknowledge that, yeah, this has been a fucked up year. I mean, between the pandemic and not being able to travel and we have people who are sick or even dying. Like I just spoke to an author who's, she's living in one country and her father has passed away in another country and she can't even get home for his service. And then we've got all of our racial tensions and like Black Lives Matter. And it's just like, there's so much pain and suffering and grief and trauma right now. So I just want to like acknowledge that like, you're not crazy. <laughs> you're, you're a human having a very human experience. Um, one of the tricks that I learned, gosh, many years ago um, in a book called Accidental Genius by Mark Levy. Random book. I don't even know how I stumbled across this book, but he's this guy who does consulting for businesses and helps people come up with innovative ideas. And it has almost nothing to do with writing, <laughs> except this one exercise that has completely changed my life that I teach every one of our authors and um, shifts 
your mood and motivation almost instantly. This is free writing, but it is not free writing like you were taught in a college creative writing class. This is, it's almost akin to like something like automatic writing, if you're familiar with that. But the process is this. Sit down with either a blank, you know, document on your computer or a blank journal. Um, I would go with whichever mode you write fastest, whichever you can physically write fastest with. And just bring sort of a question to mind. And sometimes for me, if I really am just feeling stuck, I'm like, what is mine to do today? Like, what is my purpose? What, like, what am I here to do? What am I here to do today? What is mine to do today? So I bring kind of a, a general prompt to mind. I set a timer for five minutes or seven minutes or 10 minutes, but start with five. And the timer starts and I just start typing as fast as I physically can. Sometimes I even close my eyes. Spelling doesn't matter. Whether the sentence makes sense doesn't matter. Um, you know, whether you're rambling doesn't matter. You just keep moving your fingers. Um, whether you're typing or writing. And if you get stuck, just type um, 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 or ask yourself a question or just keep the words coming out. And when the timer rings, stop. Done. And, you know, Mark Levy's book kind of goes into the conscious and subconscious bits of this, but basically you are putting on hold that internal critic editor brain and you are actually accessing that subconscious creative flowing part of your brain and you're just letting it out right you're releasing the pressure valve you're letting the words out and almost like almost 100 percent of the time even if it's only five minutes or seven minutes i feel better i breathe more deeply i think more clearly and even when i look back over the gibberish something emerges as like a new realization a new thought and it helps me to move forward. And sometimes it completely sparks an entirely new motivation, a new project, a new something, and I didn't even expect it, and it took five minutes. I love that! <clears throat> For anyone who's a super nerd, they, like, I, I'm, I'm obsessed. This is actually why I, um, I do journaling at the start of all of my writer's block party calls, and I do give a prompt question, and I force people to I do literally that. But you're making me want to make it five five powerful minutes instead of seven minutes, which it currently is. You know, I like seven. We do seven in our. We have a little writers group as well, and we do seven. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's so good. good. It, it's it can so be. Good. It can be five. If people are really resistant, I'm like, okay, five. <laughs> you can do five. I promise. You can do anything for five minutes, guys. Anything yeah. in the world. Yeah. I Thank you so much for all of your genius today and all of the genius that's coming more next week. If you are listening to this, the day that it's dropping or the week that it's dropping, we have a masterclass. Um, so if you are like me and you haven't had enough Morgan <laughs> and you want more Morgan in your life, cause like, of course you do. We will be live next week with a training called, is it possible to write a best-selling award-winning book, even if you've never written a book before? And my guess is the answer to that question is yes. And on this masterclass, we're going to go over exactly how. Um, and Morgan will teach you the ideal process for writing your first book and doing everything you can to make it a best-selling award-winning book. And teaser, I'm going to show you a case study of one author, first-time author, had never written a book before. She wrote 49,952 words in nine weeks. That book went on to be an Amazon hot new release. It won six different book awards in her industry, set her up to work with private clients. I mean, the whole shebang. And so we're going to go through that case study. We're going to talk about the common mistakes people have when they sit down to do the writing and kind of the three secrets that really got this author um, 
to finishing her book finally and becoming a best-selling and award-winning book. And this really kind of hits at how I work with authors one-on-one. Oh, I can't wait to hear all of this and ask you more questions and learn more from you. Thank you so much for anyone who wants to register for that workshop. It is creativesmakingmoney.com slash book masterclass. I will be there live. We'll be there. It'll be amazing. Can't wait for it. Morgan, thank you so, so much. I really, really, really can't thank you enough. You're just brilliant. And I can't wait to learn more from you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. This has been such a blast. Hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created craft and cash flow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. We get started September 7th, and I'm so excited. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. And please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.